Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. It's that time again. You should know where you are and you should know who this is. This is Tyler Shep, and I am the co-host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Mike, great to see your smiling face. I'm smiling because I finally got this guy into my time zone. In the same Can you time believe zone. it? That's kind of crazy. We, we finally got him out of the swamp and into the mountains. That's right. I'm so That's happy. That's right. <laughs> you know, as, as much money as you made from the state of Florida, we would appreciate it if you'd show a little more love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. So what it means, boys and girls, is I am out here in Wyoming right now. I'm sitting right outside of uh, Yellowstone National Park. Wife and I are doing a little summer vacation, so we're out here driving around and checking stuff out. And uh, this podcast comes to you uh, courtesy of Starlink Flat Panel. <laughs> and actually, Mike, you're on Starlink too, aren't you right now? Uh, no, because mine didn't work. So <laughs> I, had, uh, I, I had to find a new Wi-Fi location. But See, uh, boys and girls, Mike doesn't spend enough time out in the van hang, oh. good, having a good time with the Starlink on. So his needed updating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't tell you it needs updating. It just doesn't work until it does. It's, That's right. Thanks, That's Eli. right. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, at least he came up with the technology. Could I didn't expect him to be perfect, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, but, man, but yeah, well, excited about your trip, man, and excited yes. about what uh, you know. I, I love getting on the show with you because every week both of us kind of learn something new. In those past seven days, of something happened in real estate. We heard something or just something came to mind in the shower. In my case, <laughs> it's usually the shower. I learned that in Wall, South Dakota, there are 23 apartments that are rentable. Total? Yeah, that's it. I got this magazine, you know, for like the local tourism thing for the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. And they're like rental apartments available to the open market, 23. And like, boy, look at that. <laughs> One land baron has 23 apartments for rent. Everybody else in town owns their property where they live. It's all one landlord? Wow. So that's an idea. Yeah. So people listening should run away to the middle of nowhere, and uh, you can be the, you can play Monopoly in your little town. This so, right. Well, the question is, how many people live in Wall, South Dakota? And the answer is not that many. <laughs> not even 23. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I would I would question the audience. You know, it's funny. We were we Jill and I went to a local watering hole. And we were sitting there having a, a few drinks, and a local guy walked in. And I guess he used to like solder on rockets or something or other. Great guy, great conversation with him. But now he's back in Wall, South, South Dakota. Wall, as in W A L L, South Dakota. Which guys, if you've never been there, is the middle of freaking nowhere. It's where Wall Drugs is. So if you go down I ninety or any down through South Dakota or any of that. You start seeing wall signs, I'm pretty sure, in Missouri, you know, that far back. But uh, it is literally a hole in the wall town. Dude's a rancher now. Gave up working on rockets and decided to be a rancher. And he's probably 28 to 30. I don't know. Oh, he's young. The rocket business is in demise, Mike. Any thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> there goes my future. You work, with, <laughs> you, work with, you work with lots of rockets and stuff. Well, I guess it's a jet engine, but same thing. Wow. Anyway, guys, uh, this week I want to talk about a weird, unique, relatively new to the market loan product that's out. Hmm. Um, and I want to bring this one up because this is a more of a cautionary tale. Now, you know me, I love to look at different ways to put, put a deal together and get creative. However, there is a new loan trend and it's been out for about the past, I don't know, five or six years, but 
that is, it's called debt service coverage ratio loan or DSCR loan. And it's becoming very common to be used with uh, short-term rentals or Airbnb type properties. Now, these have been around in, by nature for decades, and they're more commonly seen in the apartment space when you buy apartment buildings. Because apartment buildings use the income ratio when they determine the valuation, and that's how they underwrite the loans. It's heavily based on the deal, not so much the 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 borrower, Mike and Tyler, um, which is why these apartment syndicators can put these deals together. They raise the enough equity to cover a down payment, and the bank takes care of the rest, provided the deal makes halfway decent sense, right, Mike? Now, what we're seeing is these DSCR loans, and I have one we're working with right now with a client of mine, a real estate client where the income numbers that the buyer was provided are not accurate. And by not accurate, if you guys haven't noticed, but two years, we had COVID about two years ago, a year, two years ago. Some people think it's still going on. Who knows? But a lot of things happened during that COVID period, right? So when COVID kicked off, what year was that, Mike? Was it 2020 or 2021? Can you believe that was three years ago already? 2020. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, anyway, so for the last three years, after you lock people up in houses, I'm not going to get into that topic, but uh, folks did, did a lot of traveling. I mean, traveling went through the ceiling. Mike, your airplanes were slapped full. You were flying nonstop, and, except for the time they furloughed you guys temporarily. But a um, lot of folks were traveling, which created a, a, a occupancy issue, which means there were no available places to rent. And Mike, we learned in uh, Key West, even though the national average of occupancy for a short-term rental was 60%, uh, it was 88% or 87% in Key West, correct? Wow, that's right. If not higher sometimes. Then that's right. That was my next point is there are sometimes of the, you know, like December, or January, February, March, where in Key West, it's 100% occupancy. There is no place to rent. You can just give it up. So what that's caused is a trend of more people wanting to get into the business. As people think, see their neighbor, it's like, oh my gosh, he's always full. Mike, you had an Airbnb uh, there in St. Petersburg that you rented. You stayed full almost all the time. Oh, nonstop. Yep. Up till recently, my properties were full all the time. Uh, we've experienced some vacancy over the last several weeks, but um, we're hoping that we'll get past that. But what we're seeing is a trend where the buyers of these properties, their brokers slash wholesalers are using air DNA. And this is not an air DNA bashing episode, by the way, air DNA is one of many data sources out there. I believe it's the most popular right now, which is why I mentioned it because it's the one that I hear people rely on most. Now guys with data, one of the things you got to look at is the quality of it. Mike, you're an engineer. Data matters, right? Yeah. Data matters. And and in this case, Things have changed so much in the past three years, you know, the lows, the highs, and now where are we now? You right. got to look at where did that data come from? What That's right. What dates? Hey, are you looking at December? Are you looking at July? That's right. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people don't kind of analyze where the data is coming from, which is uber important when underwriting. It absolutely is. Now, when you look, when Mike underwrites a deal for us, one of the things that he's doing is looking at the quality of the data. In other words, what's the time frame, time frame that the data was laid out in? Where do we get it? When we were underwriting uh, our short-term rental opportunity in Key West, we did use AirDNA data, but we also pulled from other data sources. And some of that, frankly, was manual going on Airbnb, going on VRBO and other vacation sites, talking to property managers in the town, finding out what the realistic income is. 
So fast forward to today, here's what we find is happening. And I'm seeing this a lot when I have my realtor hat on. Because as you guys know, one of my monikers is a real estate problem solver. And what that means is that when people have a problem involving their real estate, guess who they call? My job is to fix it. Sometimes I fix it by buying it myself. Sometimes I fix it by selling it to somebody else and getting it off these folks' hands. In this case, what I have is a case where the data that the... So people bought a short-term rental property and they paid around $800,000 for this property. If they would have run comparables via... uh, If they would have valued the property based on comparables, they probably would have came out around the 550, 600 range. But they bought it for 850. You might ask yourself, why did they pay 850 for it? Well, because of the income method is what was used to determine the value. Now, does that mean that it's wrong and it's not worth 850? No, that's not what I'm saying whatsoever. Uh, but in, it's important to note the differences in the end result. Okay, so those of you that are that are fellow engineer brains like Mike and I, one of the things you have to realize is that you, you got to look at the quality of the data. If you're just using one data point, in this case, Air DNA. Air DNA paints a very uh, happy, glowy picture of the last two years in relationship to short-term rentals. Ask anybody that owns one or anybody that manages one, everybody's making money. They're slam full. Uh, at least that's been the case for the last at least two years, if not longer. Um, and what we're seeing is a trend of things starting to slow down. But here's the problem. When these underwriters and these appraisers and buyers and realtors and wholesalers are looking at these deals... They're not looking really at what's going on right now. They're basing everything on the recent past, last two, three years. The last two, three years are set record-breaking numbers. So, Mike, when you underwrite a deal based on what happened, an anomaly in the marketplace, what do you think can happen? Thoughts? Your numbers are going to be skewed, and and you better hope it's not skewed too bad because (laughs) uh, all your debt, your mortgages – Everything was based on that. So obviously the bank does underwriting, the debt coverage ratio, we were talking about that. Uh, But the good thing is the larger the property, like you go to commercial, what we learned there was banks are very, very good at underwriting. So even though you're looking at data from 2021, 2022, when things are really high, if you're dealing with larger commercial properties, five plus uh, or a million dollars over, the bank's actually on your side because the bank says, hey, 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 um, this data is not really correct. We need to take a look at what's currently going on in the market. That's However, right. if you're looking at smaller properties, single family houses uh, up to a fourplex, they're not looking nearly as deeply as they would. So now the due diligence is really on you more so and you can't rely on the bank nearly as much. That's 100% correct. One of the trends that I'm seeing here is these banks are just taking the appraiser's word for it. And the appraiser is not being misleading by any means. They're just not considering a a very long timeline. The appraisal guidelines call for certain timelines. And maybe it's time to tweak the appraisal guidelines because if you're looking at income numbers for the last two, three years, you're looking at flawed data. If guys, buyers and buyers out there, if you are in buy mode and you are buying based on data from the last three years, uh, you're going to get in trouble. You need to look at data from 2019, 2018 to see what kind of numbers you were looking at. I know some of you are going to say that's not that's not going to work because of inflation and yada, yada, yada. Well, you have to look at income. Forget Inflation impacts the, the expenses, absolutely. And of course, it impacts the income. But you got to really go back and look at 2019 math to be underwriting these deals. And what you're going to find is that most of the deals that you're going to see today are not going to pencil. 
almost all of these short-term rental properties are not going to pencil unless you can get in your the way you acquire these properties. What do I mean by that? Well, in the case of the one I'm getting ready to list, they will be able to sell it for a profit. How much profit remains to be seen, but here's the deal. There's not necessarily anything wrong with the deal as far as what they paid for the property, provided that it consistently generates around $6,000 a month. That's the number we're looking for. The problem is, is that this property, the manager that they chose is just not up to par and they're not getting anywhere near $6,000 a month. Can it generate $6,000 a month is the next question. 100% yes, it can generate $6,000 a month. So for me, guys, you're probably thinking, Tyler, why would you take somebody's rusty penny and sell it to somebody else? Well, the answer is because there's still opportunity in that deal. It can still be a great deal. You just have to change how you pay for it and more importantly, how you use it. Mike, do you have do you know any ideas what you could do with a pro, with a very large property that sleeps 16 people? Any just give me one idea what you think you could do with it. <laughs> That's right. Well, I've been I've been knee deep in assisted living facilities for for a while. Right. So the first thing I think of is assisted living facilities. Now that's not kind of that's not common. Most people right. aren't aware of that that field of what you could do with a single family house. That's right. uh, whether assisted living facilities. Right now we're kind of researching uh, disability homes. So it's not not a sober home. It's not assisted living home. It's you know people with some type of disability, whether their parents or their caregiver kind of passed away, or they need some place um, in town with other disabled people, and more importantly, uh, nursing assistance. So these kind of alternative investment opportunities—they're all single-family house opportunities. They are. So yeah, if your if your Airbnb model didn't work, maybe take a look at some other options. And if you can't think of other options, because there's there's like two hands full, maybe more than that. Sober homes we mentioned. Uh, if we want to get any more ideas, email us, info at cashflowguys.com. We'll definitely brainstorm with you and see what might be available in your market that most people where they just rent short-term or long-term, uh, they might not be aware of. That's right. Now, guys, one of the things to think about is, well, yeah, you go, if you sell this thing in nine 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 fifty, whatever it winds up selling for, aren't you just taking somebody else's bad deal and turning it over to somebody else? And the answer is no, because here's what they have done. They've done a full rehab on the property. It's big. It sleeps 16. As you were just saying, Mike, a group home, for example, this one happens to be multi-level, which means there are short little stairways between the levels. This is a basically a tri-level home, not a three-story home, but a tri-level home. Uh, it was built up on a hill. So there are some short steps, not long ones, but short steps. Assisted living does not automatically mean disabled as far as being able to walk upstairs, guys. So know that, number one. Number two, with the group homes, people can walk and talk fine. They just may have developmental issues. They may have emotional problems or something that doesn't impair them physically, still allows them to be disabled. These group homes, by the way, the operators of these group homes, they can collect on average uh, right around fifty to 75000 per resident. So let's do that math. Mike, do you have a calculator handy? Because I'm going to do you some quick math because I can't do this one in my head. Making me work. <laughs> 50, right. let, let's go on the low side of $50,000 and multiply that by 16 residents. What's 50,000 times 16? Jeez, $800,000. Okay. That is the annual income for that asset at $800,000. That's not too shabby. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we know that cash flow is like crazy. 
Yes, you have uh, inventory expenses. You've got food expenses. You have to feed the people. You got a lot of patients. You clothe them. You also get their social security checks. Uh, goes directly to the operator. So if you're someone that wants to start a group home, then you could buy this property, start a group home. And you think, well, Tyler, I don't have that kind of money in cash. You probably don't. You could get a DSCR, a debt service coverage ratio loan. And I guarantee you, if you put $800,000 in annual income against $950,000 in debt, or in this case, it'd be 80% of that, let's say, because they want you to put 20% down, you're going to have a home run on your hands. Well, gee, Tyler, I don't have 20% down. Well, maybe you could start work something out with the seller where that seller holds a small second to come up with a down payment. Bottom line, boys and girls, is these DSCR loans, while dangerous, if in the wrong hands, can turn into a great opportunity. Mike, how happy would you be with $800,000 gross coming in? Oh, gosh, yeah. Who wouldn't be? And right. I think I'd like to add something else that we talked about in a few episodes ago. Remember when we had the ADU guy, Derek, on? Yes. Well, he mentioned something. I don't think we really focused on it, but there's such thing as an internal ADU, and it depends on your city code. You need to talk to oh, your yes. your planning uh, and, and zoning uh, department in your city. But literally what you can do is if you single have a single family house, if there's a back door or whatever, you can divide it, set up a little apartment that's completely separate from the main house. They do it here in Salida quite a bit with the large houses. And now you have an internal ADU. So technically, you have a duplex all of a sudden from your single-family home just by adding a wall, little kitchen, a bathroom, a little uh, studio apartment back there. Nice. Now, guys, a couple of risks that I want to address real quick with the DSCR that we didn't cover. Number one, they do require a higher down payment. So you're gonna, the bank's going to probably want you to put anywhere between 20 and 40% down, maybe even more, depending on your situation. Yes, they will factor credit, but not as heavily as they would on a traditional uh, mortgage. The good news is these are amortized usually over 30 years, and in some cases over 40. Mike, can you imagine that? 40 years amortization. Um, the interest rates are higher, and the closing costs and fees are higher. So it is, this loan product is going to cost you more money. you got to do all the math. The reason why it costs more money is because they are higher risk to lenders. Anytime something seems almost too good to be true, you can understand that the only reason the lenders are doing it, it's not because they want to lose money. It's because they're they're going to make enough money to cover their risk position. Not all lenders offer these. So you're not going to march down to your local Bank of America and get a DSCR loan. Probably going to need to work with a mortgage broker, someone that has a clue that will be able to help you with these. Uh, here's the thing you got to be most important and the biggest risk. And the one number one reason people get themselves in trouble. Don't believe the income numbers given to you by a third party oh, gosh, or no. anybody, anybody on that transaction that's on commission because they will not give you the accurate math. If you, we maybe Mike, we should do an episode on finding income numbers and verifying income numbers one of these days to kind of help these folks. We've done it, but, but we've talked about it a lot, but I'm, I don't think everybody's got it. So I think maybe that would be a benefit to folks. Yeah. That, yeah. That would be fun. Kind of dissect it on air. That's right. Now, last one that came up as a, as a big risk is market risk, right? Market people say, well, the market can crash. That's great. But remember, this loan is writ underwritten based on income. So market crash shouldn't have an impact on you from a comparable sales method unless you sold it to an end user that's going to use a residential type mortgage where they're not going to use a DSCR or an income-based mortgage. Keep that stuff in mind, boys and girls. Uh, you can just turn around and sell this. Let's say you buy it as a, you, you turn around and buy this thing and, and do some work to it and sell it 
as a group home. And you decide that the group home isn't for you. Well, that's fine. Just because it doesn't work for you doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't want a group home. Mike and I will take your group home off your hands. You can still sell it and sell it for a profit without feeling like you're sticking it to the guy, the next guy down the street. So final thoughts on that, Mike? Well, I like that in regards to due diligence, in regards to getting the real income numbers, I guess I'll share something that uh, we've been working on with our assisted living. So our investment, our investor, investment for our investors. Uh, <laughs> right, right now, we have hired a consultant to go out and find our tenant before we even finish construction. That's right. The interesting part about that is we're already getting some potential interest that we don't have it solid yet. I got to go down to Sarasota and talk to them. But this can be applied to any type of income property. If you make connections, hell, just make a landing page. If you don't know what that is, let us know. A landing page is saying, hey, this is going to be available soon, coming soon. Enter your email address, your information to see if you're interested. Now you've got a potential tenant list before you've even purchased the house, before you put the down payment or closed or anything. You can get an idea of, hey, uh, are people willing to pay $2,000, $3,000 a month just by putting a landing page out there and a few pictures of the property. I I mean, you can get so creative now to get your own numbers without relying on services like AirDNA, which is good. Uh, without relying on calling a bunch of people, you could do it on your own. Find real numbers with potential tenants that will move in as soon as you're as soon as you close. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a great, great finish. Up. And guys, at the end of the day, if you get this stuff, can be a little bit complex. If you get stuck, go to cashflowguys.com, book some time on our, either one of our calendars, and reach out to us, let us walk you through this. Mike is real strong on the underwriting piece. I'm real strong on the negotiating piece. We have lots of different ways to get help to get these deals done if you need some help getting them done. If you're looking at buying a property like this, then of course, reach out to me. And if you have one that you want to sell, it's in the state of Florida, reach out to me as well. You can do that through cashflowguys.com. Guys, we're going to leave it right there. We hope you have a great week and we will catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.